Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 as we continue our studies in the life of Christ. And we're looking at the miracles of Christ. And last week we saw his miracle of walking on water and again having power over nature. And uh, this is going to be uh, a power over restoring health. It's the miracle of Jesus healing the bleeding woman. In Matthew 19, I'm sorry, in Matthew 9, verses 14 through 17, Jesus was being questioned about fasting. And as he was talking to the disciples about these things, he was all of a sudden, abruptly, he was interrupted. Let's look at verses 18 through 22 now of Matthew 9. While he spoke, again, that is Jesus, while he spoke these things to them, again, about fasting, a ruler came and worshipped him and said, My daughter has died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him and so did his disciples. Verse 20. And suddenly a woman who had, who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around. And when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. So here it is. You see this this Jesus is in this crowd and and he's answering questions about fasting. And the, then this this man comes up to him and, and it's Jairus. And he's asking Jesus to come and, and to touch his daughter because she's sick. And as he's as Jairus is talking to Jesus, she she this this sudden this woman suddenly comes and, and interrupts this discussion between Jairus and Jesus, and she says, "You know, I I have this problem," and she Jesus kind of turns away from Jairus and focuses on this woman. Very interesting. And then after she the woman was healed, he goes back to dealing with Jairus. So, uh, but there is a lesson in this: the healing of the bleeding woman, like I said, took place in the middle. Of this other healing with Jairus. The miracle healing of the bleeding woman interrupted the miracle of, uh, of raising Jairus' daughter from being sick and would be a real test of patience for Jairus. Think about it. Now, you're there wanting to be ministered by Jesus, and then somebody comes along and says, Lord, I got this problem. And, and he stops and he deals with the woman. Well, Jairus probably thinks, well, wait a minute now. You know, I, get in line, lady. You know, I was here first. But again, we've we, we got to look for those divine interruptions, okay? They're, they're important to, to recognize here. So, as Jesus was on his way to minister to one desperate person, which was Jairus, again, among a large number of needy people, Jesus' attention was called to still another single individual, one whom a less sensitive person might have never noticed. Jesus, in his, in his, in his passion, compassion and sensitivity, he notices this woman. And especially because it was a woman, somebody else might have said in that day, you know, well, you know what, I'm going to deal with this guy first and then, and then you. Well, um, again, here we see an interruption that became an opportunity. Keep that in mind. The interruptions in our life might not just be interruptions. They may be a, an opportunity for us to minister to the Lord or to minister to somebody. Don't look at the interruptions in your life as annoyances or bad timing. 
but as possible opportunities to be used by God and to glorify Him. When we're weighed down with serious problems in our life or some situation, you know, it's really hard for us to see somebody else's problems. Because right now, it's all about me. We're so preoccupied with ourselves and trying to solve our own problems that we don't want interruptions. We don't like interruptions. But sometimes God allows interruptions to help us grow in character by exercising some unselfishness and then focusing on others. Also, as in Jairus' case, the interruption would only encourage him, though he may not feel that way at the time. But it would only encourage him concerning his problem with his daughter. You see, when Jairus first came to Jesus, we read in Luke 8.42 that his daughter was dying. It would strengthen his faith, though, which would help this, this interruption when he watches what he does to this woman. This would encourage his faith, to, and again, which he would, would help him overcome the news that he would receive after the woman was healed. Because you see, when Jairus left his daughter, she was dying. He goes to Jesus to, to, to get his help. But Jesus focuses on this woman. Then after the healing of the woman, he gets news his daughter had died. Now, can you imagine what's going through his mind? Well, at least I think what might be going through my mind. I went to see Jesus to get help. I'm interrupted by this person. And as he's dealing with her and taking time to deal with her, my daughter has died. Boy, would I get angry. If this woman, this rude woman, this person hadn't interrupted me right in the middle of of my need, my daughter might still be alive. Jairus' daughter was 12 years old when she died. And this hemorrhaging woman had been dealing with her ailment for 12 years. They both needed Jesus. You know, when it comes to salvation, it's not any different. You see, it doesn't make any difference how long you've been a sinner. You still need Jesus, whether you're 12 years old or, or 112. The good news is that Jesus can save any sinner no matter how old you are. Getting back to the, the, the bleeding woman, notice verse 20 again. It says, and suddenly, that is, while, Jair, while Jesus was talking to Jairus, it says, a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came. This woman had a serious problem, and it was related to menstruation. This problem would understandably make life miserable for this poor suffering woman. You see, because without the health care necessities of the, that, that you know, there are today, it would make her life extremely more miserable you know, at, at her time than it would today. This woman's ailment not only caused her physical and mental misery, but it was also caused her a whole lot of social and spiritual misery on top of it. You see, she'd, she'd been dealing with this particular problem for 12 long years. She has spent 12 long, exhausting years fighting this problem. And she wasn't any closer to finding a cure 12 years than when she started. So the ailment wouldn't just waste away her body, but it would also be exhausting to her spirit. Misery from a problem becomes even more miserable when it lingers and it lingers and it goes on for such a long time and you don't seem to find a cure or see a cure in sight. You know, mentally that has to really work on you. 
Now, pain, as we all know, pain is hard enough to bear if it's just for a moment. But when pain hangs on and hangs on and it won't let go, and you don't see any relief in the future, man, that, it becomes so much harder to bear. And the torment isn't just physical. It also becomes mental because it lingers on. But here's the good news. It doesn't matter how long the problem has been going on. It doesn't limit Jesus' ability to fix it. It's the same good news when it comes to sin and salvation. Jesus can just as easily save an older person who may be set in their ways as a young person who's just started out down the road of life. Now, some people think they've sinned too much. I've been too bad in my life. I've done too many horrible things. It's too late for me to be saved. But how wrong they are. Because the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, can cleanse us from all sin. And it's the only powerful, 100% guaranteed cleaning agent for washing away sin that works. Now, Mark tells us that she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather worse. You see, her problem kept getting worse. How discouraging this would be to her, to anybody. She didn't see any sign that she was getting better. The only thing that she knew was she was continuing to get worse. As a matter of fact, it was pointing to death. She was slowly dying. And that's the way sin is. It's like this lady's disease. It only makes things worse. Sin never makes a person better. They get worse and worse until sooner or later it kills you. Again, sin is 100% fatal. The woman's continual decline in her health due to her sickness. It gives us another situation where the power of Jesus Christ is going to be seen here and it will gloriously shine. And just like in previous miracles, Jesus takes great joy in doing the impossible. In making the most difficult cases and solving them. He loves taking on these things. The details of this bleeding woman definitely puts this case in the category of difficult cases. So it's a situation that's perfectly made to show Jesus uh, his miracle power. Now for people to see Christ's miracle power. And thank God Jesus isn't limited by difficult cases. You know, we don't come to him with a case and we you know I, I would really like to help you out. But this is, you know, this is beyond me. You know, I, this is this is one of those things that I can't, I can't cure. You always have to remember that the difficulty of of the problem, curing the problem only lies in the hands of the one who's doing the work. His power isn't limited to just easy problems. Because his power overcomes even the most difficult situations, no matter what they are. So the woman did what anyone would naturally do for her problem. She went to doctors for help. That's what they're here for. That's what God given us his doctors for, is, is to help us. But she didn't have a very good experience with any of them. In Mark's gospel, he tells us that she had already gone through several doctors. And she obviously got more than a second opinion. She got many opinions and probably many different treatments, but none of them did her any good. 
She went to doctor after doctor. And many of us can say, yeah, I know exactly what that's like. I know what she's going through. You go to one doctor after another, hoping to find the cure, hoping to find the treatment that is going to fix the problem, looking for the best treatment. This woman's situation shows us the frustration of the sinner who doesn't go to help for Jesus, doesn't go to Jesus for help. They're weighed down. Their life is a mess. They're enslaved by sin. They're in bondage to their sin. And the sinner tries everything he can, every remedy that man can give him. Psychologists, psychiatrists, drugs, whatever it might be, whatever specialists are recommended. You spend a a bunch of money to hear these worldly wise men recommend what the sinner really needs to do is go to Jesus for help. The only thing this woman got from all of those doctors is it says she suffered many things. Which means she suffered a great deal from all the doctors that she went to, not to mention a ton of pills. Martin Vincent, in his Greek Words Studies books, tells us that there's a prescri- there, that, that, that the prescription that's found in the Talmud for the medical treatment of her specific disease would cause her a lot of suffering just in the remedy itself. Listen to this. The Talmud says, take the gum of Alexandria, the weight of Azuzi. Now, Azuzi is a, is a weight, is a measure of weight. It's a fractional silver cone. So the prescription was, take, take Azuzi of the gum of Alexander, Azuzi of alum, Azuzi of crocus. He says, let them be bruised together. I'm imagining that means mixed together. Given in wine to the woman that has an issue of blood. If this doesn't benefit her, and there's like four or five other remedies. There are all these different concoctions and mixtures of plants and things. It's no wonder that she suffered and got worse. Because it says that all of these concoctions that were prescribed to her to drink had problems, more problems than what she already had. These things could ruin her stomach. And then to add insult to injury, her finances were completely spent. Going to a lot of doctors means receiving a lot, of, a lot of doctor bills. And it ruined her financially. You see, and her problem also illustrates the problem of sin. <clears throat> sin is expensive. Our society, look around, is bankrupt by sin. Alcohol, drugs, gambling, abortion, immorality. Those things are not cheap. The prodigal son... He wasted his money on the party life. He spent all that he had on the passing pleasures of sin. A lot of people do the same thing today. Sin is very expensive. And and many times, I've said it before, it costs you more than you were willing to pay. You just didn't see the fine print. And it bankrupts us. It bankrupts us spiritually. It will bankrupt our livelihood. But even worse than that, it, will, it can cost a man his soul if he doesn't come to Jesus Christ. This woman experienced disgrace caused by her condition. Because you see, it made her ceremonially unclean according to Israel's law. And when it came to the law, her uncleanness restricted her social life. It restricted the people that she could hang around with, the contacts that she could make. 
which resulted in her not being able to take part in worships in the worship ceremonies in the temple. She was also restricted or couldn't go to synagogue. Not only that, the ailment that she had was grounds for her husband to divorce her. So she so so this problem really brought disgrace to the woman. She couldn't she could the the uh, ceremonies in the temple. She couldn't go to synagogue, and it could end up result in divorce for her. So again, her ailment made her an outcast socially and spiritually. So you see, you can imagine how her suffering was really a terrible thing for her. But Mark tells us when she heard about Jesus, she came. When she heard about Jesus, she came. The best thing she ever did in finding help for her problem was going to Jesus for help. This literal meaning of heard about Jesus says having heard of the things concerning Jesus. When she heard the things concerning Jesus, she said, I'm going to go see him. She came. What she heard about Jesus was the key to her healing by Jesus. This shows us how important it is for people to listen to the things that are said about Jesus. And when I say the things that are said about Jesus, I mean the truth. Because there are a lot of things that are said about Jesus that aren't true. That's why Jesus said, take heed how you hear. Pay attention to how you, to what you hear. Jesus clearly warned his audience to listen to and follow the word of God. Because applying God's word helps us to grow. And this is a principle of growth in physical, mental, and spiritual life. You know, when, when, when you know, those around us, you know, when, when, they, when they hear about the good things that Christ has done in our life, the healings, the spiritual healings, the physical healings, both the, 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 the freedom from sin. Those are the things that, that, that people need to take here, how they hear. The truth about Jesus Christ, that they may come to him like this woman did. It's like when you exercise a muscle, it grows stronger. But an unused muscle grows weaker. Are you using what God has taught you? That is, hearing about Jesus Christ, are you using what God has taught you, what you've heard? Hearing about Jesus is the most important news people need to hear. And are we giving them the good news? The truth about Jesus. If you don't pay attention to Christ and His Word, you will end up in hell for all eternity. He's the one who can solve the greatest problems that people have. Mark says she came behind Him in the crowd. In Mark 5.27, she came behind Him in the crowd and she touched His garment. She touched His garment. This lady was persistent in getting to Jesus. We see her persistency in the fact that her illness would hinder her in everything that she did. But even though she was weak and she was limited in her movement, because of her bleeding, she still went after Jesus. Now, there were a lot of people surrounding Jesus. The disciples says, the multitudes throng and press you. 
The word press means that the crowd was so dense. He was so surrounded by people that it almost suffocated him. The pressure was so great, it was hard for Jesus to breathe. And yet this woman made her way through that kind of a crowd. This would have been so very hard to get through that crowd to touch, to, to, to get to Jesus and to touch him. But she persisted. Not only that, there was the possibility that somebody might recognize her. And begin to yell, hey, that woman, she, she, you know, she's, she's undefiled according to the law and she's defiling you. And if she would have been exposed because of her condition, she would have probably been ordered to get away from the crowd and never able to get to Jesus. And when I saw this, I thought that may have been her only opportunity to see Christ. She may have never been able to see him again. How many times when we have that one opportunity, man, we need to take it. You may ne- he may never come past your way again. You may never get that opportunity again. This lady was taking a huge risk of being caught. But she took her chances. In her desperation, she needed to get to Jesus and nothing was going to stop her. What a great example she was. Because her example teaches us that sooner or later in life, you're going to learn that if you're going to accomplish anything worthwhile, you have to overcome a lot of difficulties. You see, the the measure or the amount of a person's dedication is found in how many hurdles they're willing to jump over to do the work of Christ and to pursue their goal. How far am I willing to go in pursuing Christ? Lack of persistency will mean lack of productiveness. This woman definitely showed her great persistency. You see, she was dedicated and she needed to be. This woman had the confidence that Jesus could cure her. Matthew 9.21 here, notice what it says. She said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, notice, I shall be made well. If only I can touch his garment. She wasn't interested in just, you know, big hug or just spending a lot of time with him. All she wanted to do was touch his garment. That's the confidence she had in Christ. She knew I'd be made well. She didn't think about the critics of, that, that Jesus had. She didn't think about the, the negative things that she had heard. You know, she didn't think about Jesus like the critics did, being weak and being an ordinary person. And he's just, you know, another one of the uh, many cult leaders that, that have blown through the land. She'd heard the things about Jesus, the things that he had done. And her faith in him was so great that she believed that he could do in an instant what all the doctors hadn't been able to do in 12 years. Once she got close enough to Jesus, think about it too, pressing through that crowd in her condition. Once she pressed through that crowd, she reached out and she touched him. She touched his garment 
And Mark, Matthew 9.20 here tells us she was immediately made well on the spot. On the spot. And how quickly she was healed shows the power of Jesus Christ. We've seen evil habits in people. We can look at the ones that we had maybe. The, 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 the evil habits that had a hold on our life. But it wasn't until salvation came through Jesus Christ that His power broke us of those habits. Those chains that held us, they fell off. Christ has, has, given, has given those people, has given us the powerful remedy that beats all the world's remedies. Mark says in chapter 529 of his gospel, it says that she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction knowing what had happened to her. The woman knew that she was healed just by the way she felt. And I don't know about you guys, but I remember the night that I I received Christ. I knew something had happened by the way that I felt. I had no idea what my future held. I had no idea really what was going on. All I knew was I heard the word and I received Christ and I knew something had happened. So much so that I knew my life was not going to be the same. And I knew that when I took a pocket full of drugs out to the trash can because I felt convicted. I went in there, no problem. But when I received the Lord, I said, I got to get rid of this stuff. That was God because you, you couldn't tear the drugs away from me in those days. But the moment I said, Lord, I want to receive my Lord, I said, I got to get I got to get rid of this stuff. I called Kathy at the time, who was my girlfriend. We've been going together for three years and I think she bounced the engagement ring off of the cement more than basketball players do the basketball. And I spent a lot of time looking through the weeds and the grass trying to find it. But I called her that night and, and we'd been broke up because she, she, she'd come to the end of the line with me. She told me I'm never going to change. And I thought, she's probably right. But I called her that night and said, hey, Kathy, you're never going to believe it. Dead silence. What? I received Christ tonight, and, I, and it's going to be different because I loved her and I wanted to marry her. But again, we were smart enough to know that this ain't going to happen. I said, hey, I'm going to be different. I'm going to change. I, I know this is not going to be the same. Well, you know, she had her doubts. But long story short, here we are. We, it, it did work. But I knew that I, I knew. Just like this woman said, she said, she knew. She knew something had happened. She knew that because of the way that she felt. And only Jesus Christ can give you that confidence, that assurance. That you're cured of whatever it might be. And so the woman touched him and she was made well. She didn't listen to the critics. She didn't listen to all the negative press. She listened to the things that he had done. And again, he had, done, he had done for her what doctors hadn't been able to do for her for 12 years. Those remedies that, 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 that the world says and gives us. Body, she felt that she was healed of her, flex, her affliction, knowing, I love that, knowing what had happened to her. Most obviously, she knew what had happened to her. So you see, she was healed by the way that she felt. 
And most obviously because the bleeding stopped. And there was no more pain. And her energy was restored. Now, it wouldn't have been a total healing if, you know, again, if it hadn't touched her feelings. Because a huge part of her problem was the suffering that she was going through physically. But this is important to see. Now, this is, here's physical evidence of what I've shared before. Notice how her feelings came after she reached out in faith. And I've used the example many times in marriage when somebody says, well, I don't have feelings for this person anymore. And the remedy is, love them by faith. Take that stuff, love them by faith. Obey what God says to love them, not because you have feelings, not because they're, they deserve it. Love them because it's an obedience to God. And after you do, God will give back those feelings. Her feelings were restored after her faith was exercised. And isn't that what God tells us to do every day? Live by faith. And then I will show you. No, God, show me first. And then I'll. No, that's what we do. No, show me, first, Lord. Then I'll do it. No, God says do it. And then I'll show you. It was her faith that drove her to seek Jesus for the healing. And she wasn't disappointed. And you won't be either. Her feelings didn't change until faith changed her health. And a lot of people try to change the way they feel without faith in Jesus Christ. Whether it's by positive thinking or or, or doing positive things or or self-help. Whatever else they think might make them feel better. It's through a faith in Jesus Christ. And the miracle in woman confessing to Christ. In Luke 8, 45 and 46, Jesus said, who touched me? And when all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me. For I perceived power going out from me. Now, when he asked who touched me, he knew. It was a rhetorical question. Jesus didn't care that her touching, uh, that, that touching even his clothes. Here's the neat thing about this. Again, she would, <laughs> according to the law, she was de- a defiled person. And if you touched her and she got, you know, touched touch you anyway, you would be defiled. Jesus didn't care that he touched his clothing. And that it would make him ceremonial unclean. That is in the eyes of the fellow Jews. You see, Jesus is touchable even by the untouchable. All through his early ministry, thousands of people came in contact with Jesus and he talked to hundreds of people and they touched him, but many of them weren't touched by him. And all through church history, multitudes have also come in close contact. Because he knows the difference between the person who comes to him just out of curiosity or of a a sense of excitement. Oh, let's go see what's going on over there. He knows the difference between those and the one who comes to him in desperation and true faith. Again, when he said, Lord, when when he asked who touched me, it was a rhetorical question. And Jesus asked the question to a confession 
by the person who touched him. Peter said, Lord, there are so many people around you. you And you ask, who touched you? They couldn't understand why Jesus would ask that question. In their minds, it didn't make any sense. They probably thought it was an odd and senseless question. They thought it was a dumb question. But Jesus, unlike we humans, he doesn't ask dumb questions. Or does he ever do dumb things? When God does something that you can't see any purpose in, that doesn't mean there's no purpose for it. It doesn't mean he's not working. It doesn't mean it's just dumb. Be assured that God has every good reason, very good reasons for whatever he does. We don't know how. And we don't need to know why. It's, you know, for it to be meaningful. I don't have to see it at work and I don't have to know why for it to be meaningful. It is a work of God. God doesn't do anything randomly. Or without purpose. And to question God is an insult. Because it makes you look like you know more than he does. Uh, Lord, are you sure you know what you're doing? Um, Why are you doing that? That doesn't make any sense. Peter and the others who questioned him had no idea what had happened. Jesus can be working in somebody's life or in some event, but just because we can't see God's hand in anything does not mean he's not doing anything. And that's why in many people's lives, you know, we pray for them. And and, and I always refer to marriage because times, you know, uh, a, a spouse will say, you know, well, you know, you know, I've been praying for my spouse and, and, and I'm, I'm trying to get my marriage to work, but I don't see God doing anything. <laughs> Leave your, your partner alone. Allow God to work. Let him do the work. And then I, I remember my own marriage. Because it took a while for Kathy to, you know, get get to, to, to you know, want to be with me. And, and, and when we moved back together and we were working on it, I couldn't, I couldn't see anything visible taking place. And every time I felt like saying something or doing something stupid, God said, back off. Let me. You're the one who messed it up, Joe. How are you going to fix it? Let me fix it. You just stay back. You just do what I tell you to do. And it worked. It worked. Just because you can't see him at work does not mean it. Because it's a, it's a work of the heart. It's a work of the heart. And you can't see what's going on in that heart. And what you might end up doing is undoing all that God has been doing. And you're back at ground zero or it's, 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 it'll be a done deal. Because I've just proved, hey, I, I'm not going to change. I haven't changed. So again, if when you know God, God is always working. But because you can't see it, doesn't mean he's not at work. We read this three. It says the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. So when Jesus said, who touched me? She comes and says, you know, in fear and trembling, I did, Lord. And she told him everything. 
the woman was, was, was fearful. She was, she was afraid to speak out in front of everybody. <clears throat> she was afraid to confess what Jesus had done for her. But to her credit, she still came to him to acknowledge her blessing. In Luke's gospel, he emphasizes that she publicly confessed, saying she declared to him in the presence of all the people. She declared to him in the presence of all the people. She confessed Jesus Christ in front of the whole crowd. And when you come to know Christ and you know that he has done something in your life, you have no you're not embarrassed to tell people you're not. The confession would give proof of the miracle. Her behavior later on would also add more proof for the miracle. Because when God does the work, the evidence will be exceptional and there will be plenty of evidence. And also in Mark, it says she fell down before him. This worship emphasized that Jesus had healed her. This would give Jesus more honor. Her confession brought good results and blessings to this lady. And anytime we confess Jesus publicly, we add to our blessings. And then Jesus said to her, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. Her confession resulted in the teaching from the Lord about the work of faith. Faith in Jesus Christ and his word can work wonders. Faith in Christ and his word can work wonders. Another blessing, another blessing obtained by this woman because of her confession was was peace. Peace. In Mark 34, it said that Jesus told her, go in peace. This would be a great blessing for this woman who had come to Jesus fearing and trembling. And he says to her, be healed of your affliction. We, the Greek scholar says, the sentence means when he, when he said, be healed of your affliction, in the Greek it means, be continually whole. It wasn't a partial healing. This was great news for the woman. It wasn't just healing for a little while. Her health problem would not return. Interestingly, the word translated whole, when he said, uh, your faith has made you whole, it means to be sound of body, from which we get our English word hygienic. How interesting and how fitting for Jesus to use that particular word because hygiene, hygiene was one of the big problems this woman had with her hemorrhaging. Woman confessing what Jesus had done for her definitely turned out differently than what she thought would happen. Her fear and her trembling was gone. She had peace and she received a complete healing and additional blessings added to her healing. In closing, this is a great encouragement to all of us. Now getting back to Jairus, what a great encouragement all of this confession was, what Jesus had done for her, now as Jairus watched. Because he got word when he left his daughter, she was dying. When Jesus was dealing with the woman that was hemorrhaging, he got word that she was dead. 
But seeing what Jesus had just done with the woman, how much, how much more encouraging it would be now that he got the word that she was dying, what Jesus could do her. It would build his faith. It would, it would strengthen his hopes. Thank God for his mercy and his grace and how wonderful it is that God is more gracious than Now, God never excuses disobedience or unfaithfulness or any other sin. But He will forgive sin that is confessed, every sin that is confessed and that's placed under the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. Rank, fame, wealth, none of these things give you any special privilege with Jesus. He's not a respecter of persons. And on the other hand, if you don't have any rank, if you don't have any wealth, or you don't have anything special, those aren't a disadvantage for you either. In Christ, we all, we're all equal. We're all the same to Jesus. We all have the same access to Him. Whether we're black or white, rich or poor, man or woman, young or old, bond or free, we're sinners in need of grace. The difference is persistence. Making the moment count. Taking the opportunity when Jesus wants to make himself, when he makes himself available to us, like this woman did. She persisted and she took advantage of her opportunity. And that's what needs to happen. Father, we come before you. Thank you so much for this beautiful word, Father, this beautiful healing. And Father, we come now and God, I pray that we would glean, Lord, from this passage, Lord. Glean had taken place with this woman, Lord, and we would remember and apply it, Lord. The Father, there's no problem too big for you. There's no sin too big for you that you can't heal. There's nothing, nothing. We can't put it in any simpler words. There's nothing that you can't do for us, God. And that you're not willing to do, God. But Father, may our faith be applied. May we exercise our faith, God. For you are God. You are almighty. You're a miracle-making God. You're a restoring God. You're a saving God. You're a healing God. You are Lord of King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's your greatest need right now. that crowd now you might not be in a crowd and it may not be a bunch of people around you that would keep you from getting to Christ but there's a crowd of other things 
Satan puts a crowd of doubt. Of lies. Worldly counsel. All these things surround you and. Want to keep you from coming to him. But you have to push through all of it. And believe. In Christ. And who he is and what he's done. And look at the cross. The worship team is going to lead us in a time of worship. And if you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. You push your way through the doubts and the lies and the preconceived notions and ideas and you run toward the truth. As we worship, you get up out of your seat now and you come to the steps up front. I'll meet you there. When the song's over, we'll say a prayer of faith together.